So if you're just now joining us, we want to welcome you to Bethany United Methodist Church, where we're leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in His image. We're glad you've chosen to worship with us today. Uh, we're doing this series on the awakened life, spiritual awakening. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the foundations. As we talk about that, we're going to be talking about the Word. As I get into this, um, a couple of years back in one of the gatherings we were in, uh, one of the things that J.D. Walt said one morning was, uh, the biggest obstacle to spiritual awakening is that we already think we are awake. Um, and and I, I have to tell you at the, the time that, that kind of bothered me and I kind of bristled about it. I was a little offended. What, what do you mean? What are you saying? And, and all. And, and Talking with some of my colleagues, one of them said, well, do you, do you really think that you're really fully awake in Christ, that you've, you've, you're all the way there? And I, and I said, well, well, no. Do you think you know everything you need to know in your faith? I mean, you've grown as much as you're going to grow in your faith? Well, no. Are, are you spiritually everything that, that you, know, you think God intends for you to be? And I said, well, no. They said, Okay. <laughs> So uh, I want you to hear that when we say this, uh, to say that, that we're striving into spiritual awakening is, uh, is not to say that we're bad people. Uh, it's not to say that you don't know anything about who Jesus is. It's not to say that you're not living your life as well as possible. Uh, it's just saying that God has so much more in mind. God has so much more for you. Uh, and when we decide that, uh, okay, well, this is as good as it gets, I'm as awake as I'm going to be, uh, then we effectively block God from doing that work in us. So as we come into this, uh, what I want to invite you to do is, uh, if you find that makes you a little uncomfortable, you're bristling a little bit, uh, just kind of lay that aside and understand that it's not meant to say that, you know, you're not a good person or that you're, you know, don't, don't have any idea about what you're doing in your faith or anything, that, that it's not anything like that. It's just suggesting that we be open to all the fullness of what the life of God can do in us. That's why uh, when, when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, uh, that's why he, he wrote those words to remind them uh, that, that God was wanting to raise them up into new life. And we're going to be using this uh, as we move through these weeks. So I just want to invite you to say that with me as we began this morning. Uh, and I'll do the part in gray and you'll do the part in the, in the bright white. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Yeah, wake up, rise from the dead, let Christ shine on you. Uh, let's pray. Father, uh, we come to you on this gray, uh, foggy, overcast morning, and uh, we ask you to come and just shine the light of your presence on us and, and, and wake us up in heart and mind and spirit. Open our eyes and our hearts to all that you want to share with us and let your light shine into our lives uh, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So several years ago, uh, uh, my colleague in Dallas, Andrew Forrest, uh, was uh, talking to his congregation, and one of the things he talked about was uh, beginning the day, um, the morning with the Word of God. He said, you know, too often what we do, we get up in the morning, we, we read the paper, or we have a news feed that we look at, or uh, maybe we're on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever. And, and he said, instead of beginning your day with all the bad news of the world, uh, instead open your Scripture, you know, open your Bible, and, and start your day with the Word of God. And let that inform your whole day. 
and see if that doesn't make a difference in your life. And so uh, I, 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 did, I, I found for me that was a very helpful practice to start my life and kind of changed my whole perspective on what was going on during the day. And a number of you have joined with me in that as we've uh, gone through these past couple of years. And then uh, last year, uh, J.D. kind of actually kind of picked that up and ran with it a little further. And he talked about uh, the first word, last word, God's word on the uh, Seabed Daily Text. He talked about beginning your day and ending your day with Scripture. Uh, and he's actually repeating that uh, right now on the Daily Text. If you're on there, you've seen it. Um, where he talks about beginning your day with the Word of God and ending your day so that the Word of God bookends your whole day and, and everything is in that perspective. And, and if you're not doing that, I just encourage you to consider it, maybe give that a try, a way of allowing God's Word to inform us from the beginning of the day to, to when we lay our heads down at night and, and just see if uh, making that change doesn't begin to have an impact on the way uh, you live and the way you feel and the way you're perceiving life, especially in this time of pandemic and COVID and, and when we're struggling to get through you know, the, this period of time and, and wishing we had the vaccines and they're not here yet and we're all struggling with all that, um, especially in this time. Uh, beginning the day with God and ending the day with God is uh, something that can bring tremendous strength uh, into your life. So I just want to encourage you to continue uh, and to engage in that. Um, one of the things that J.D. has mentioned, and, and um, actually I've known, uh, I've heard before because it's kind of a southern thing, is, is to have somebody ask you, what scripture are you standing on today? And I think that's kind of prevalent through the South. Uh, my grandmother used to do this uh, when we were young. And, uh, and when I was young, you know, uh, I really just uh, kind of thought she was annoying. But, you know, I think that's the way most of us are when we're young and we think we know everything. Uh, but what I learned as I got older was that there was a, a lot of strength in that, that if I had a, a passage of Scripture that I could hold on to, especially when times were, were difficult or times were painful, uh, that, it, that it lifted me up and gave me a tremendous amount of strength and comfort through that time. And so I began to, to lean into that. I still, uh, Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 is, is still one of the, the scriptures that daily I, I, I turn to, this reminder to, to lean on the strength of God, to wait on God, to trust in God, and to be lifted up by God instead of trying to do it all on my own. And um, so, uh, you know, th there's a power in scripture, in the, in the word that speaks into our life. And sometimes I think we we kind of take that for granted and we don't take it as seriously as we need to. So, so as we move through today, I'm going to encourage you to, to kind of hear again the power of the word and, and maybe to hear it in ways you haven't heard it before and, and challenge you, you know, what scripture are you standing on today as we walk through this time? Other things that my grandmother said to me when I was young uh, that, you know, were, uh, you know, things that were kind of annoying, you know, was, you know, the, the only Bible some people read is your life. Uh, and she said that. And, and, you know, what she meant was that, you know, a lot of people, before they pick up a, a Bible and read into it, they're going to encounter you. And, and how is the Word of God being lived out in your life? How is it incorporated into your life and into what you do and what you say? Who you are, your very being, because that's oftentimes the place where people first encounter the Word. Which challenges us then to, to think of uh, the Word of God not as something we just read for information, but as something that's transformative, that, that changes who we are, uh, that becomes part and parcel of who we are. Uh, along with that, she would remind me, you know, the only Bible you always have with you is the one in your heart. Uh, and, and, you know, when I was young, I used to think, well, you know, that's not really true. I can carry a Bible around with me and stuff. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is there's, there's times in life when you're needing to find a piece of scripture, and if it's not in you, whether you've memorized it or whether you carry it in your heart, however you've 
done that. It's incorporated into who you are. You can't find it. And, and one of the great moments uh, or demonstrations of this occurred a few years ago. One of our bishops was speaking uh, before a, a large gathering in the United Methodist Church. And he was going to show us that you know, he was you know, up to date and technologically uh, savvy and all that. And so he was going to read a scripture off of his phone and got up at the, the podium in this gathering, got his phone out and realized he had no internet connection in the building. Uh, and, and so after trying several things, he finally had to say, does someone have a Bible? Uh, you know, the only, actually, the, the only Bible you always have with you uh, is the one that has become part of who you are, the one that you carry within your heart, that, that's built into who you are. And so that's, that's why there's, there's a power in this that lifts us up and changes who we are. Again, I want to remind you, here's, here's a passage we are standing on for the next several weeks, this passage out of Ephesians. You know, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead... And Christ will shine on you. Yeah. This is part of our tradition, uh, those of us who are in the Wesleyan tradition. Uh, John Wesley once wrote uh, that he was a man of one book, Homo Unius Libris. Uh, it was in a preface to one of his books. And, and he said, just, you know, if, if I can only have one book, let me have this one. Uh, he says, everything I need to know uh, about salvation is here. Uh, and he's actually quoting uh, probably Augustine of Hippo, although there's several other authors that use that phrase. But Wesley incorporated it in, and it's kind of become known uh, in our tradition that, you know, this is, this is the, the main thing. In fact, it was such a big deal to John Wesley that he made it part of the Articles of Religion of the Methodist Church. And this is Article 5. Uh, it's kind of old language, so, uh, but, but, you know, when he wrote it, this is how language sounded. Uh, the Holy Scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man or woman uh, that it should be believed as an article of faith or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. In other words, everything you need to know about salvation, everything you need to know is in the Word. That's our, that's our primary text. That's our foundation. That's where we start from. Uh, other things we read are great. They can be very informative. But everything we need to know is in the Word. And this is where we have to start with. Um, and I think in our tradition, as in many traditions oftentimes, uh, we tend to wander off from that a little bit when we start reading other things and studying other things and doing this and, and neglecting the Word. But, but Wesley would remind us, you know, this is the place it starts with. This is the gold standard. This is, this is where it is, the foundation, uh, the very Word. And, and this is where you need to be grounded. This is where you start from and everything. Uh, and in saying that, he's very consistent with Scripture. Uh, our brother Paul, writing to his young colleague Timothy, uh, writes about the, the value of Scripture. And remember at the time that Paul writes these words and he talks about Scripture, he's talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament was still a work in progress when this was written. So as he writes this, he's talking about the Old Testament Scriptures, which oftentimes I hear people say, well, you know, I like the New Testament, but I don't like that Old Testament so much. Here, this is Paul talking about the scriptures that would have been the Old Testament at this time. Uh, he's talking to Timothy about those that would uh, disagree with him or argue with him or, or, or struggle with him. And he says, don't let it phase you. Stick with what you learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers. Why, you took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Kind of makes you wonder if that's where Wesley got that from. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed 
and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, connect, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Uh, the word shapes us, it builds us, it, it molds us. It, it, you hear it's not simply passive, it's active. It's working in us to prepare us for what God has for us. Uh, and you hear that a similar kind of uh, word spoken about that uh, from the writer of Hebrews. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. God's word is, is working on us and correcting us and building us. And, and e even if you want to get away from it, you, you really can't. There, there's a power and an activity in this. Uh, in the Old Testament, when uh, God is speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah, he tells them this, I, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave to them. I want you, I want you to hear this idea that, that God's word is active, that it has power, that it has agency, that, that when God's word goes forth, things happen. Things happen. Uh, if you read through scripture, there's, there's a number of places where you see this illustrated very clearly. Uh, at the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. God speaks the word and things happen. There's power and agency in that. Uh, Ezekiel brings that and, and informs that uh, when he's uh, bringing prophecy to the people of Israel in the 37th chapter. Uh, then God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast army. The people of Israel understood 
through this prophecy that, that when God was with them, when the breath of love of God's life came into them, that's when they lived. And, and when they did not have God with them, that's when they were simply dry bones. I mean, the, the Word of God comes and, and brings life to us. It shapes us. It transforms us. It enlivens us. It, it, it affects everything there is about us. It's the standard by which we begin. We don't, we don't look to the culture to define everything. We don't look to our society to define everything. We sure don't look to the politics of the age to define things. But rather we are defined by, shaped by, transformed by the very word of God. Now I, I, I want to take this one step further with you. Uh, this may take you to a place that you haven't thought of before. At least I had not thought of before. I'll confess to this. Uh, when you begin the reading of John's gospel passage that we're very familiar with this is what john tells us and the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it it's a reference to the resurrection the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I've read that passage all my life, and we read it here every year in Christmas Eve uh, service. And, 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 and it's just been in the last couple of years that all of a sudden I, I, I begin to really hear what John is telling us, that the, the, the Word, this powerful word that has agency and, and brings life and transform that the word is jesus that the the word is jesus and that if we are followers of christ who believe in the resurrection of christ the living christ is indeed still present with us and he is the word made flesh and now resurrected i mean jesus kind of claims this in matthew's gospel he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, Old Testament material. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's not come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. All of Scripture is caught up in Jesus because Jesus is the Word. And you hear all Scripture, all those Scriptures interpret Jesus, and Jesus interprets all of scripture and that circle is there and and although it sounds like circular reasoning what it really points to is the reality is that jesus is the word jesus is the word all of that scripture is part of who jesus is and who jesus is is all of that scripture and when we want to understand the person of jesus we 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 turn to the scriptures to understand that and yet the person of jesus also helps us interpret all of scripture now, when I was in seminary and being, going through all the material and being trained, we were taught to look at Scripture in, a, in an academic kind of format with different kinds of textual criticism and so forth and looking at the language and the time and the setting and all these kinds of things. Uh, and we began to study it. And, and when you do that, you begin to handle Scripture kind of in an academic way. Uh, it's something to look at and it's something to study. Uh, it's full of great ideas. It's full of values and morals, which, which it is, and that's true. But there's also a tendency to kind of treat it in an academic way as, as just a text. 
And therefore, we can take it and kind of say, well, you know, I like this part, but I don't like this part. Or I agree with this part, but I don't agree with this part. Or, or I'm going to read this part, but I'm going to ignore this part. And, and we begin to treat it as an object that we are to gain mastery of instead of as the living Christ who is to master us. I want you to hear that. We begin to treat Scripture as something that we are trying to gain mastery of instead of allowing the Word of God, the living Christ, to have mastery of us. It's a very different way of approaching Scripture. And so, you know, I want to suggest to you that, that we read and we study Scripture. The primary, most fundamental reason is to encounter the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, I, yes, there's great ideas there. Yes, there's values there. Yes, there's advice about how to live. All that's in there. But, but the primary fundamental piece of it is to encounter the person of Jesus Christ because the Word became flesh and is Jesus. And Jesus is the Word. And those two are always connected. So we don't pick up Scripture and just read it and, and see it as a bunch of words on a page or just as a text that we study but rather we pick it up and we invite the Holy Spirit who mediates the presence of the resurrected Christ to us we invite the Holy Spirit to be with us in that encounter with those texts so that instead of just reading words on a page instead of just playing with ideas concepts and so forth we actually are, are enabled to encounter the living Christ this is what what reading the word is at its most profound level. It's not simply looking for ideas or arguments, but it, it's coming to encounter the risen Christ, empowered and, and imparted through the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different way of reading Scripture, and it, it kind of affected me in, in fairly profound ways to, to think about what was in there and, and how to deal with that and how to struggle with it. And, and, and it encouraged me to, to handle Scripture with a different kind of, of reverence because no longer is it just a, a, a book with a bunch of words on a page and, you know, I can you do what I want. I mean, no longer is it to be handled that way. But, but now when I handle that, I'm, I'm aware that this is, this is Jesus talking to me. This is Jesus revealing himself to me. And that's a very different thing. When I, when I hear people say things like, well, I like this part of the Bible, but I don't like that part of the Bible, and so I'm just not going to read it. I'm kind of going to ignore that, whatever. Uh, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, I just don't like this about you, Jesus. And I find I, I'm no longer comfortable at all with that. doesn't mean I get it all. <laughs> doesn't mean I understand it all. But, but, but I'm, I'm not comfortable just saying, yeah, I'm just not going to pay any attention to this. I need to wrestle with that because this is Christ revealing himself to me. You know, uh, I, I did a wedding last night, and uh, it was a special joy for me because uh, the bride was somebody I've known and watched grow up, and so uh, it, was, it was just a delightful time. And it reminded me as I was doing that that when I sit down with people who are getting married, uh, one of the things I, I, I listen for is as they come together in this marriage is one of them saying something along the line of, well, you know, I, I, like, I like you but I'm going to change this about him or her. You know, they go into the marriage with this idea, well, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to mold them to fit what I want. And, and my experience with that is, is you know, it, it pretty much is abysmal failure every time. 
uh, people just aren't that moldable. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's really kind of a bad way to get started into it. Doesn't mean you like everything about the person or understand everything about the person, but, but, but you come into the marriage knowing that you're, you're all in. And, and I can tell you after 41 and a half years or so, uh, there's still things about my wife I don't understand. I'm sure there's things she would say she doesn't understand about me, but we are all in. In fact, on our 25th anniversary, she got up here and, and spoke, and she quoted a, one of her Bible teachers who said, choose the one you love and love the one you choose. I thought, well, that's really great advice. You know, that's really great advice. I, I, yeah, I don't always understand what's, but, but I'm all in. I'm all in. And the same thing is true when we deal with Jesus. You know, there, there may be parts of that Old Testament, and there are parts of the Old Testament that I, I wrestle with, but I'm all in. I may not understand it, but I'm all in. And I'm not just going to discard it. And so we, we encounter this, this word that's living presence of Christ that speaks into our lives. And, and when we begin to approach that way, then all of a sudden Scripture has a power and an agency because the living Christ is set free in us. Because we've opened the door. We've opened the door for the resurrection, his resurrection, to raise us up from this living death and for his light to shine upon us. And things begin to change. So I want you to hear again as Paul calls us and says to us, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And, and Christ, Christ will shine on you. Yeah. Now I want to invite you to do something for a moment. Uh, I'd like you to, if you have your Bible there uh, in the room with you, I'd invite you to pick it up. Hold it. I want us to just pray over this. Over these ancient texts that are also the very living word of God. The very presence of Christ. Almighty Father, we give you thanks for your word. For through your word, everything was made that is made. Your word brings light. Your word brings life. Your word brings resurrection. Every time we pick up this book, let your spirit rest upon us. That we not, might not just read it as words on a page. We not, might not simply read it as ideas and concepts. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, Open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits to encounter the presence of the resurrected Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen. I'm going to invite you now to, to join with me in the Sower's Creed. Uh, we're going to be doing this every week, and I think as we go on and the different pieces come into play, uh, you'll begin to catch more of the connections here with this but for now join with me in proclaiming this today i sow for a great awakening today i stake everything on the promise of the word of god i depend entirely on the power of the holy spirit i have the same mind in me that was in christ jesus because jesus is good news and jesus is in me i am good news Today I will sow the extravagance of the gospel everywhere I go and into everyone I meet. Today I will love others as Jesus has loved me. Today I will remember that the tiniest seeds become the tallest tree, 
that the seeds sown today become the shade of tomorrow, that the faith of right now becomes the future of the everlasting kingdom. Today, I sow for a great awakening. Amen.